Hi, I'm Ryan Ward. I'm the Designers Institute of New Zealand Board and I represent the design and business sector. And I'm Gideon Keith, also on the Designers Institute Board, and I represent the graphic sector. From our two disciplines perspective, we saw a shared need to help designers understand design and business. And the business of design. So to that end, we've recorded a series of decasts that will explore topics like starting up, designing a process, the ins and outs of partnerships, people, money and promotion. We're going to have guests who will share their experiences from an industry perspective across a range of design disciplines. Our guests will also bring their specialist experience like legal, financial or people and culture. The series will consist of decasts and other forums, all centred around discussion topics about tools and processes used in successful business. We hope you enjoy it. So today we're going to talk about part one of the series, Foundation of Business. So the part one is why design process is important to your business. So through this uh, chat, we're going to cover off some insights into design process within foodstuffs um, and how that drives our output and how we um, con control the stakeholders um, to get input and output with our store designs. Um, so I have with me Mandy Flett, who is our Head of Store Format. Hi Mandy. Hi Ryan, hi Gideon. Hey. How you going Mandy? Yeah, I'm doing well thanks. How are you guys? Good, good. Um, do you just want to introduce yourself so everyone knows a bit, back, bit of background? Yeah, so my name's Mandy. Uh, I work, um, as Ryan said, as the um, Store Format Design Lead at Foodstuffs North Island. I've been at Foodstuffs for almost five years and uh, I have a background uh, in commercial design uh, and I have just over 11 years experience working in New Zealand and the UK. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Mandy. Sound like, sounds like an exciting career. Um, so today we're going to share some insights into how Foodstuffs have evolved our design process and format development um, by moving to a controlled format pack and team that leads the creation and management of format. Uh, we'll, we'll share some insights into the changing culture of the business and you know, moving towards using standards, standard layouts and fixtures and fittings. Um, bit of background on foodstuffs was established almost 100 years ago as a grocery wholesale cooperative, beginning with four square stores in the 1920s, then New World Supermarkets in the 1960s. Pack and Save came on board in the late 1980s, um, as well as other brands that have come and gone like Toops, ShopRite, RightPrice, Gilmore's and Liquorland being two existing brands as well. And we have a large suite of retail brands and property portfolio. There are originally um, seven separate cooperatives across New Zealand within Foodstuffs, which in 2015 was reduced to two with the merger of Foodstuffs Auckland and Foodstuffs Wellington to become Foodstuffs North Island as we know it today. Um, and Foodstuffs South Island, who has the same brands covering the whole of the South Island. Through this diverse history, the ownership structure of Foodstuffs has used brand standards, but the property and design teams have not held and maintained a, a specific format system, believe it or not. So the design and construction of new stores and refurbishments has been undertaken quite on quite an ad hoc basis, uh, meaning there is a little bit of inconsistency in fittings, fixtures, layouts and in-store experience for our customers. Whilst there has been a system for controlling 
on-brand fixtures and fittings, there has not been a consistently documented output to make this repeatable for the future. <clears throat> so Mandy, um, let's, have a, let's have a chat about foodstuffs and our design process. Why is design, why is design important at foodstuffs? Uh, so at Foodstuffs, uh, we are fortunate to work client side and on a range of supermarket brands that you mentioned before. Um, design's really important for us um, so that we can align each of our portfolio of offers to their different brand propositions. Uh, we have a principle of design, sorry, distinctive design getup. Um, it's important that we evolve our brands and our designs to meet our changing customer needs and ensure that the customer brand experience is consistent across all platforms. So that's from a digital platform, from the advertising you see on TV, right through to the in-store experience. Well, that's really interesting. And how, how do you think that design process has changed over the years, Mandy? Uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned before, the process used to be... Uh, done on sort of an ad hoc basis. So each design was for a new store or a refurbishment was sort of done on a bespoke sort of basis. Uh, but over the last five years, and particularly the last two, we've been on a real journey to develop uh, format standards and store design kits for each of our different brands. And that, that's really important um, so that we can ensure that there is a consistent format across our new store builds um, and our store design kits as well help to uh, get consistency across what those stores look like and also help us to uh, be able to benchmark and control the costs of each of our new builds and our refurbishments. Yeah, that, that cost output has been really important for us, hasn't it? That, you know, striving to reduce cost um, but still want to innovate, you know, and create great experience for our customers and stores. So, yeah, the cost is always probably um, one of our biggest challenges. It does, so, uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, does, the, um, uh, does this kind of the design standard have, have uh, variability for communities or for location um, for different stores? Yes, it does. Yeah, a big part of what we do is really understanding our different customers and the different demographics across uh, our store locations in the North Island. So although we have uh, what we call now standard formats, they are able to adapt to see, suit the needs of the customers in those different areas. So we talked to the, that sort of side of it, Gideon, the, we call it the flex of a standard store. So like Mandy said, we start with a standard plan, but there's, there's fittings and layout features that we can flex. Um, and they're mainly things that don't necessarily have a service attached to them. So power, data, water, refrigeration yeah. um, that we can move around the store um, to suit sort of different ways of operating and, you know, different customer flows. But the majority of the things um, that we design in standard layouts, we like to keep standard um, purely for the consistency of in-store experience as well as controlling the cost output. Mm. Um, as you probably know in your industry, you know, change through design costs time and money. So, um, you know, you, you take three steps forward and two back if you're forever changing things. Yeah, exactly. Look, I'm I'm a I'm a uh, new world shopper, and and when, whenever I shop at a different brand supermarket, I always get a little bit lost 
So I do understand yeah. that idea of consistency so that it makes the shopping experience for your for each brand consistent. Yeah. So. And that that's probably yeah, something that makes a new world. As well, we have um different uh, offerings uh, across the different brands. Um and in our stores like New World for example, we have um different catchments and then a different ranging offer. So so the grocery um, products that are on the shelves and in the fridges um, can adapt to suit the needs of those customers in those different areas. Right. So what is the, um, tell us a little bit about the design proce process, Mandy. How does, what are the stages and how does it work? Yeah, so we have uh, two different types of projects that we typically work on. We have new stores that we build uh, and then we also have a refurbishment program as well and in that refurbishment program we look at um, whether it's either a minor a medium or a major type of a renovation to the store uh, so for new stores um, we now have standard formats that we use um, and for our refurbishment uh, projects they operate slightly differently um, the process typically goes uh, pre-scoping uh, we then do a store walk uh, we write a project brief or a scope we lock that down and then we get into concept development uh, and that's all mainly done internally then we get into the later stages of the design process so prelim and developed and detailed design and we typically work with external consultants on that side of the process um, and then we get into construction and design have a an, an oversight uh, through that construction process to make sure that uh, the designs are, sorry that the buildings are getting built to how they were designed does does the um, is design championed you know quite high up in, in foodstuffs um, it is more now, definitely, with with sort of the creation of this these processes and systems and standards. I think we we I've always said it would be nice to be design led, but it, we're always going to be retail led. But when you look at how far designs come in the last four to five years within foodstuffs, you know, and you know the recognition of a best award, design starts to become very important, um, and uh, people understanding you know why why design can help the look and feel and experience of the supermarkets and, and at the end of the day sell more groceries because you know we're creating great environments that people feel good in um, mm. so they want to come and shop so yeah had you asked me that question five years ago Gideon it'd be quite a different answer but you know pretty confident that we're we are you know leading design in retail in New Zealand and you know we've got the support of the business to do so yeah there's some there's some good there's some good um, statistics on, on businesses that um that value design as, as far as our financial returns. Yeah. Mandy, I just want to touch on that lockdown um, process that you talk about. Can you give us some insights into what lockdown is and why it's important for our process? Yeah, so uh, we have different lockdown stages at different stages throughout the project. Um, the, the core part of the front end of the project is uh, the scoping and concept development and that, that's really important to basically frame up the project and make sure that uh, you know we have a really clear brief and we have a really clear concept that can be executed 
so in terms of the lockdown stages, we have two key stages in that, that front end. We have a lockdown of the, the scope, so that's, that's essentially the brief, and then we have a lockdown of the concept. So our design team work as uh, part of the wider property team. So we have uh, development managers and project managers that we work very closely with on projects. Uh, and then we also have the wider business um, stakeholders that we engage with. Uh, so that is the retail teams, um, supply chain, operations, um, and, and various different other parts of the business. We have to engage and consult with those teams uh, and get agreements and sign off on the scope and the concept. Uh, so essentially, once we've got sign off on the scope, that's a, a, a lockdown of the scope. Then we move into concept design development. And once we get agreements on that, that is then a lockdown, um, next lockdown stage. And then from there, we start to engage our external consultants and start to go through that developed design process further. Yeah. So this is a real advantage about having an internal design team is that you can actually um, bed in ideas about uh, scope lockdown and uh, concept lockdown because as, a, as an external provider to businesses, that idea about locking down a scope or locking down a concept doesn't necessarily uh, stick um, that well yeah. and things do shift. So that's a real, real advantage, isn't it? Yeah, and the reality the reality is for us that it, 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 our our scopes and concepts do shift as well, um, and I think that the process that Mandy's just spoken about is is a control process to try and avoid change, yeah, um, and to try and engage you know key stakeholders at the right stages of the project so they understand that oh I'm getting to a lockdown phase, I need to make sure everything's in this scope because it's going to be locked down and effectively I can't change it. Um, you know we do allow change through a change control process but obviously we try and avoid that once it's been locked down and especially once the external consultant team are engaged to start detailing um, for construction you know any change through that process starts to cost externally time and money um, not just with the internal teams so there's um there's quite a lot of stakeholders in the process um, at foodstuffs, and I think you know the the main challenge is is keeping all those stakeholders engaged and and informed through that 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 process that Mandy's just spoken about, um, and it can take a number of months to get to the end of concept lockdown um, purely because we have so many different people involved and so many data insights. So just moving to the the data points that sort of inform you know, those stages of the project, Mandy, can you talk to us a little bit about where that data comes from? Yeah, so we have a, a big variety of different sources of data that we use to inform our scoping and design process. So we use um, sales data, uh, we have a property network strategy, uh, we use customer insights and we have a special customer insights team um, as part of Foodstuffs. Um, we have demographic and catchment studies. Um, we have uh, also uh, design research and you know industry trends that we look at. Um, we engage with our um, store operators. And then we have other specialist input from different areas of our support centre as well. 
Interesting. Okay. Is there a lot of psychology in the design? Yes, I'd say very much so. Yeah, a lot, a lot of psychology from a customer standpoint. Mm. So those customer insights that Mandy spoke about that we get from Foods Just New Zealand. So it's interesting to note that Foods Just New Zealand is sort of the brand sort of system, I guess, that sits over top of North Island and South Island. Mm-hmm. So that's the consist that's the control mechanism that provides that consistency for, I guess, experience in a new world in a North and a, and a South Island store. Um, so there, there definitely are some similarities to that in-store experience and the way uh, those stores are laid out. It's not just the logo on the outside of the store. So we spend a lot of time um, and and money researching those customer insights, and you know we're actually talking to customers um, that you know are our new world customers, are our pack and save customers, and even can, you know they shop in competitor stores as well. Um, and that's all. That's data that comes through to us. Um, at every stage of that project. So we're always sense checking what those customers are doing. And then more specifically, when you move to a refurbishment project, um, you know, you're, you're picking on an existing customer base and trying to understand, you know, what the, what the trends are and what the, what the growth strategy is for that demographic as well. So there's a lot of different customer points that you're trying to align to, um, you know, piece it together. So um, talk to us a little bit about how how we maintain um, sort of, I guess, maintain a process, Mandy, and, um, you know, make sure that we keep people engaged in a process. Yeah, so we've worked really hard over the last few years to uh, develop our processes and to, excuse me, engage with all of our different stakeholders that are involved in those processes to ensure that, um, they have input, they're engaged in the process, and they have a say in what um, what we should be doing as well. Um, and we have developed some really good documents to help us to ensure that, that those processes are followed. Um, so we have some really good uh, sign-off documents, briefing documents, process flow diagrams, uh, and, and other documents. And we also have different people who are in different roles like Brian and myself who sort of oversee those processes and and make sure that they are being followed uh, and then also um, make ourselves open to the to the team so that if they have any questions um, they can come to us and we can work together as a team to make sure that those processes are followed. And what do you think the biggest challenge has been in sort of setting up and, and coaching through those people in the business through those standards and, and what they are and how to use them and I think before you answer that I'd, you know for, for the listeners it's 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 important to note that you know the a design team within foodstuffs is five designers it's not like we're 30 people when you know everyone understands design so we spend a lot of time coaching people in the business through what design is and why we need it so how do we um you know how how do you what 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 are the has the biggest challenge been Mandy with with I guess getting people across those systems and standards? Yeah, I guess the the two biggest challenges is probably uh, change, um, getting everyone on board with with change in uh, our processes, and you know the the implementation of processes, 
uh, we, we have a, a huge amount of um, internal and external stakeholders that we work with. So, so I guess everyone, um, you know, getting on the, on the walker with us and, and coming along on that journey, um, that, that has been challenging at times, um, but we're in a good space now. Um, the other one is um, just getting those documents set up. Uh, so, so that's, there's been a lot of time and investment in, the, in that to make sure that those documents are really robust um, and so that uh, they can be picked up by anyone and, and easily followed to ensure a consistent output. Yeah, and, the, and I think the, the other thing about that is people knowing where these documents live. So Foodstuff's moved to um, and the online SharePoint system um, a number of years ago, and I think this, the structure of setting up that would, would probably be another big challenge that we faced in you know, design living in a, in, a, in a SharePoint world that we knew where everything was, but you know, how, how were other people in the business going to access these documents and how were we going to get them to, to, to review and sign off a store design um, if they didn't know where it was? So I think that was a big part of setting up that that system of engagement is, is how people are going to interact with the things that we're designing and review them and sign them off. So SharePoint was a big help for us, um, you know, and we avoided this idea of having to print out and sign documents. And our whole process for that lockdown that Mandy spoke about earlier is fully digital. So, you know, these links and things that get sent around via SharePoint and you could be anywhere in the world and, and hit the link and open it up and, have access to what you need to review and, and make those comments. So that's been a, um, a big help for us in that, that digital space to to actually make some of these processes that we've spoken about today work. Yeah, and, and just to add to that as well, um, as a business at First Us, we have some core values uh, for our business. So they are think customer, in it together, courageous and above the line so we always link everything that we do in processes back to those core values as well which which helps um to keep things moving forward in the right direction in a positive way yeah excellent so the it's be really interesting to to talk with mandy about um format so i know we we've spoken a little bit about our process and you know this idea that we have created standards but It'd be interesting to, to sort of move to what format is, why it's important to us, and I guess how how we've created that system. Yeah, so it's been um, quite the journey, particularly over the last two years while I've been in, in my current role of leading that, that process of format development. So, uh, so we have uh, looked at our different banners, um, looked at the propositions, um, looked at how we can uh, adapt us, our formats to what our customer needs are, how we can connect format development with a wider cooperative strategy, um, how we can uh, lead an industry best practice. Um, and so, so what we've developed over the, the course of the last two years is a, a framework for format development um, and then we've sort of honed down on each of our individual uh, brands so starting with new world we've developed uh, some some standard formats for different store sizes and then what we've done um, with those is we have built a store design kit 
which is essentially a, a whole suite of documents for how you would design and build a store. And um, the, it'd be interesting to, to talk to the format group, obviously, that, you know, once we've created, we've created that system, um, you know, and there's, we've got a bit of a, I guess, a, a way forward to manage that system, but it'd be interesting to, to sort of talk about that format group and how that is, a, you know, and getting those stakeholders that we talked about earlier in the process, now that we've got a format um, and a foundation, we, we've got a sort of a, an even playing field for stores to be repeatable, and we've also got a foundation for innovation. So, so how do we, um, yeah, how do we do that, Mandy? Yes. So, so we went through a, a a briefing and development process and sign off process to get to where we are now with those standard formats, uh, and we now have different ways to, um, I guess, review and um, make changes to those formats um, to ensure that they're constantly evolving to suit our customer needs, to make sure that they're operationally efficient, to make sure that um, the, 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 they meet health and safety requirements. Uh, and so uh, we have a format development group that meets every six weeks. Uh, we That is where we um, review um, changes to our store formats. So uh, our different members of the group can put things forward from their teams, um, as I said, to do with health and safety, to do with operational efficiencies, to do with changing customer needs, um, design initiatives, uh, uh, changes in um, our online servicing, uh, and things like that. And, and basically what we do is we meet every six weeks and we um, put uh, new things onto the table and then they get reviewed and approved by that group and, the, and then implemented. So although we do have the standard formats in place, they are constantly evolving. Yeah, and it'd be it's it's um interesting to to hear where a lot of the the ideas come from to that format group. So we as a business we sort of say you know to all our members, um, that's what we call our operators. Is you know we've got this forum of innovation. Um, this is this is the right place to bring ideas to. So in the past, prior to our format um, sort of set up and development, a lot of things would happen individually at stores. So if an operator had a fantastic idea about an innovation or a new offer or a feature they wanted to put in their store, it was very isolated to that store. So they either did it well and benefited individually or they did it badly and you know at a, at de at a detriment to their, the, their store and probably the brand of the other stores as well. So to avoid that happening and control better innovation moving forward the format group you know sort of as a foundation to talk about those ideas and and you know if it's a great idea it actually gets approved and then other stores you know we create a package or um we package it up in a way where other stores can grab that and run with it and and do good things with it as well so it's it's created a real foundation of innovation and i think that the challenge has been you know getting the operators especially to you know bring their ideas to this forum rather than just having them themselves in store and you know it's the power of a brand um, and the growth of, of that through innovation so that's been a, a really interesting process for us 
So does that mean that the the, uh, the operators are now bringing in more design thinking into into the way they approach um, their individual stores? They do, yeah, for sure. It's definitely changed. I wouldn't say we're where we want to be yet, but it's definitely the culture's shifted to. I'm not just an operator in a new world in Napier. I'm an operator in a new world, and I've got all these other new worlds around that you know I need to consider as well. You know, that's the power of the brand. Whereas historically, they've been quite individualised on this is just my store, and I'll do what's right for my store. Um, my, my experience of operators from from supermarkets is that a lot of them have an engineering background. Do you think that's a blessing or a curse? Uh, yeah, it probably probably a bit of both really. Um, you know, the the technical knowledge and things that we that our operators have can definitely help us through that that coaching and understanding process of what we're doing. So some of them you spend a bit more time talking to and saying, hey, this is what we're actually talking about, and this is the output of this process. Um, and then the downside to that is, you know, they know they know too much, so they can challenge some of these things a bit more. So. Um, there's always great conversations and you know we really enjoy you know visiting the stores and talking about ideas and, and hearing some ideas so um, and it, it's it's important to, to remember as well that the the knowledge experience and skill set of our operators varies dramatically across the whole network you know right from junior I guess retailers that are coming to to a, to a foursquare or a smaller new world and are in their infancy in their in their retailing career right up to guys that you know have been in a pack and save for 30 years and are absolute retail gurus so we learn a lot from the people at the the, the upper end but then we coach a lot um you know with the people at the sort of the entry end as well so we get to to spend a lot of time with a lot of different minds which is really exciting for us as designers what can other businesses learn from the foodstuffs approach I think the the main thing for me and and the journey that we've been on is 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 have an idea but don't get too hung up on documenting that until you've actually got to a point where you've executed some of those things so you know a documentation of a process is important but I th- I think you know being fluid with that is really really important and that's probably one of the biggest things we've learned is don't expect the process just 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 because you've written it to work, there's there's a massive people aspect to a process and actually you know designing that together. So you know don't just design a process and put it in front of a group of people and say hey this is what we're going to do and this is the output. Is actually ask them questions. Of what do you think the process should be? And all, designing the process together is where we've got the most engagement. Um, and you know people people will follow the process then because they've been part of creating it. So. Documentation of processes is really important. You know, stakeholder engagement in the process and output has been really important. Um, and having a management structure and process for, which is our format group is the our version of that. You know, so which has created a foundation of standardisation, but has also given us a foundation of innovation that we've never had before. So that's been that's a public. A challenge though isn't it you know standardization versus innovation so you know they, they must be uncomfortable bedfellows at times they are but i think you know we've learned very quickly that you have to have a standard platform to be able to innovate in the retail industry you can't just keep innovating because you just lose track you lose track of what you're doing you start to go around in circles yeah i um, think ha- having those um 
that framework and the documents and the processes in place helps you to work more efficiently to allow more time and space for innovation. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes documentation is, is used as a kind of a cudgel to, 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 to drive out innovation. So I think it's always making sure that there is, and like I, I really like hearing this idea about the fluidity, maintaining that fluidity as long as possible before documents, documenting it and then allowing uh, that, that innovation to come through. Yeah, and we, we talk to, you know, these processes and things that we've spoken about, um, I think in a, in a less technical term, um, we call them guidelines or principles in a way. So that's probably a key thing that, you know, we're, these the, the principles on how to do something, they're not, they're not a step-by-step -step or a one, two, three on this is how you get to the output, yeah. um, you know, and that's the way we keep them fluid and, and that idea of managing processes is you know always having to go back to change a document or a process if something has changed because if someone that's you know integral to that process leaves the business then you've got you, you lose traction of what that is so mm. it's important to um to make sure that processes are not really really regimented and, and sort of are more guidelines and and principles yeah. i mean from my own experiences from a graphics perspective we we have brand guidelines and, and i think the worst brand guidelines are the ones that that are that are used as a command and control instrument yes you must do this you must do that don't do this don't do that rather than creating a set of principles and and and, and the idea of inspiring innovation and creativity to bring that to the fore rather than to regiment it so that, that it doesn't but you know at the same time that systemization helps to for a consistent delivery so yeah yeah, I think it's definitely a bit of a balance between um, standardisation and allowing that room for for creativity, definitely. Well, it looks like we've run out of time today. Thanks very much for your insights, Mandy. You've been listening to a Designers Institute decast, and we'll see you again next time.